Guys, what is going on? Leo Cannell here with today's Seven Figures Club podcast. Again, this is the podcast that helps you to get into the top, you know, 5%, 7% of business owners to build a seven-figure business. And fortunately for everybody here, we've actually brought someone who has built an eight-figure empire here. We've got uh, Justin, uh, is it Croxton? Is that how you say it? Croxton, that is correct, Leo. I got it. All right, Justin (laughs) is the CEO, founder of Propellant Media which is yes. an omni-channel media technology company. He's an accomplished uh, senior executive entrepreneur and advisor with over 17 years of success in the marketing and advertising, real estate and retail industries. He's a digital marketing expert. He does business development, customer acquisition, SEO and SDM, go-to-market strategy and growth or just a few of his many domains of expertise. And as the managing partner of Propellant Media, Justin is in charge of leading his team in developing creative and financially motivating uh, digital marketing initiatives such as lead generation. Obviously, you need to continue to generate leads as we potentially go into a recession in 2023. That's going to be very vital for your business. And uh, in addition to that, he is a specialist at geofencing marketing. And you've probably seen this on TV or heard about it, but not known exactly how to harness it. He's an expert at geofence marketing, which is super important with your locality of where you're at. And he's also gonna help you in terms of search engine optimization and generating traffic, and most importantly, revenues, you know, for your business or organization. Justin, welcome to the show. There are over 32 million businesses in the US and over 90% of them will never break seven figures in annual sales. So how do we as entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs break into that seven figures club? This podcast will relentlessly share the secrets, strategies, and tactics I've used to create three multi seven figures businesses and bring in even more successful entrepreneurs than me to share their inspirational stories and tactics to success. You can create your dream business in life right now. So buckle up and let's go. Man, I appreciate that intro, sir. That was a great intro. <laughs> Very Justin, you know, we love to learn about uh, the backgrounds of what makes someone like you become such a successful entrepreneur. What were yeah. some of the key events or maybe, you know, your upbringing uh, that kind of led you down a path of entrepreneurship? Yeah, that man, you t- try to take me back to shoot elementary school. So where do I start? So I guess um, I'll start with my dad. My mother was an okay. educator and my dad was awesome. also an entrepreneur um, uh, in Philadelphia. And so I went to elementary school in, in, in Center City in like downtown Philly. And I lived kind of like in the west side of Philadelphia. And so when my dad was driving me to school, he he was an entrepreneur himself. He had his own yeah. uh, legal forensic photography business. So he was like, wow. like 90% of his clients were attorneys. So if there was like an injury or things of that nature, he'd be the one to be taking the pictures. So he had a lot of flexibility in his business. Wow. But I remember him always being able to take me to school, like not all, every day, but like two times a week. It was great. And, you know, we have our conversations and then we drive, you know, you know, to downtown. I get to see the buildings, you know, that were being developed. And I was like, you know what? I mean, did I have that intuition that, oh, my dad's an entrepreneur, so I want to be an entrepreneur? I would say, yeah, I would. I mean, probably I got that intuition when I was like in seventh grade. Um, but you know, the inspiration that I got my, from my father was also like, cause I, I think you, in the intro, you said that I was, um, I worked in commercial real estate for a number of years and I did yeah. I also love real estate too. 
And that's oh, also yeah. the, the, the sort of that inspiration from. And so, you know, I, I once I graduated, you know, just kind of, you know, fast forward many years, I went to Morehouse College in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, I was fortunate enough to land a gig for Jones Lang LaSalle, one of the top commercial real estate firms in the world. I started doing agency leasing, so leasing high-rise and mid-rise office buildings. And between that and, you know, you're kind of doing some level of marketing. I mean, it was perfect. It's kind of like, oh, yeah, yeah you're for a large corporation, but it's still that entrepreneurial spirit, if you will. And it was it was perfect. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. <clears throat> Amazing. So sounds like you definitely had a mentor. And I think every successful entrepreneur at some point along the journey you know, you're looking for a mentor. The cool thing about uh, today's world, you can have mentors that maybe you don't even know personally, but you read their books, you watch their YouTube channel, you learn from them. But to have a father uh, who's an entrepreneur and gives you this foundation and shows you this freedom. And like you said, I mean, that that is rare uh, in today's world where, you know, dad yeah. is able to drop you off uh, for school. I think about, you know, having the opportunity to drop my son off uh at school earlier today, but uh, that mentorship and and that example is absolutely key. So you got into commercial real estate and yes. these big, huge high rise buildings. Now, was that in Atlanta or where was that at? So that was in Philadelphia. So okay. that was back in 1997, before about yeah. right before 1997. Okay. And um, and well. Backtrack a second. Sorry. I'm, th I'm still thinking about my father taking me to school. So yeah. when I graduated from uh, Morehouse College in 2005, that's where I landed the gig with gotcha. Jones. So gotcha. started doing the leasing, high rise, mid rise office buildings. I was also doing marketing for these buildings. So I was doing a lot of the email marketing. That's how I kind of got into the digital space. So, Actually. so, so Justin, for a lot of our young entrepreneurs <laughs> out there and listeners, what were some of the key strategies that you found success in early on? Uh, with marketing in, in 2005, was there an online aspect to it? Was it, you know, some, uh, was it sending out mail pieces? What were some of the strategies that, uh, that you were using then? And what were some of the tactics that are more evergreen? Like these tactics still work today. Sure. sure. That a lot sure. of our young entrepreneurs might not know about. So there were, there were two things that we did, you know, in, in commercial real estate space, it's a very B2B oriented space, yes. right? Yeah. But we still did quite a bit of um, direct mail pieces, you know, that we would send to other brokers in the brokerage community that did a lot of commercial real estate leasing. So I so I leased office buildings. So we would send those pieces to other brokers in Atlanta that also represented tenants that were looking for office space. So we did that. Those are yeah. direct mail pieces that we do from time to time. A lot of it was just networking and relationship building. Yeah. But the thing that that we were doing for many of our buildings was true email marketing. So mm. we'd be sending quite a bit of email mm. on space that's available, different incentives that we were offering for some of our buildings. And so out of everything I've said, like all of those tactics still hold true. But the one that's digital, that still is vital, even beyond just your traditional inbound acquisition channels is email marketing. It's free. I mean, I don't say it's free, but it's free, you yeah. know, yeah. and if you're out of sight, you're out of mind. You have to have some way to, you know, get in front of these folks. Yeah. And email has not just been effective for what I did in the commercial real estate phase, but it's even more important today for e-commerce brands, direct to consumer, even yeah. B2B. 
you know, was still vital. And so out of everything, the the email marketing and the, you know, even the marketing automation to a large extent is critical. No question. No question. You know, you know what, what's interesting, Justin, you're talking about mail pieces and uh, we haven't done direct meal. We, we, you know, we, we run a business finance marketplace, helping small business owners get financing. And so we sent out direct mail just the other day. And oddly enough, I feel like in a B2B space, maybe not so much if you're your end uh, customer is a consumer, but if you're a business owner, like you don't always get a ton of mail and a lot, of course, you know, you're pretty, pretty harsh and you throw most things away, but if you have a good mail piece, like it works. And uh, we're, we're getting dozens of phone calls off that for pretty cheap leads as I compare that to, you know, pay-per-click. And, and so I feel like that's still something that could work today, but you're absolutely right. And how many times have we heard email marketing is this, that, and the other, it's dead, it's alive, et cetera. But there are, there's traffic that you control and traffic that you don't control. You know, you right. might have a following on social media, but you don't control that platform. You don't know if that post or everything you're doing is really getting in front of your clients. Sometimes it is, sometimes it's not. But with email marketing, like that's something you own. You can get in front of them. You can build a relationship. What yeah. are some of the, the key aspects to, you know, <clears throat> number one, building that email list? And then number two, nurturing it that is still very important going into 2023 for marketing strategy. So I'm going to, I'm going to try to drop some gems for everyone that's out there. Oh, get ready. Take notes, guys. We've got some value bombs coming. Take some, take some notes. I'm serious. Really take notes here. The first is one of the most important gems I can give anyone is you have to treat people as if they are not just a customer, but try to bring value to them before they become a customer. So what I mean by that, you know, we all, everyone hears the word content, 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 content. I got to have content on my site. I have to do the content, da, 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 right? Yeah. It really does matter because if you're able to build an ebook, a tool, a cheat sheet, piece of software, you know, a calculator on your site, you know, uh, an epiphany, a, a case study that builds out the full strategy of what you did for another client. All of those things are actually items that brings value to people. It raises their level of consciousness, if you will, and in terms of you know you know how they can grow their own business or things that they can do that's going to ultimately bring value to their own lives or to their business effectively. Focus on that more than anything else, and you're going to have so many different ways to cultivate and build a list. Because effectively, a lot of times, you know, folks will say, hey, come to my site and hey, I have a, a place where you can like you can sign up to my newsletter, like sign up to a newsletter. Quite honestly, I'm just this is just me personally. Like there has to be incentive reason for me to sign up to your newsletter, let alone for me to want to book a demo with you or for me to contact your organization. And so the more opportunities you give you know, each of those individuals that visit your website or whatever, more opportunities you have to bring value to them, the bigger your list is going to be, the more people that are going to give you their email list, you know, their emails, excuse me, their emails, and the more individuals want to, want to connect and build a relationship with your brand. You can't do that just by saying, I'm this great company, check me out, you know, subscribe to my newsletter, like, like I'm doing you a favor. 
<laughs> no, you got to think about the value that you bring people. If you do look at it from that perspective, you're going to start getting more and more individuals, not just book demos and appointments, but ultimately give your give you their emails um, so you can continuously follow up and stay in contact with them. <laughs> no question. So a lot of different avenues. There's got you if you're contending with whether you should have content or not, you need to. And then multiple ways of value, more about the customer client, less about you, but more about how you can help them. Case studies, not just, uh, I mean, a newsletter, like you said, that that, that almost sounds boring, but actual a free ebook that is delivering a solution, actual case studies of how you're helping someone similar to them get the result that they need as a customer and client. That's a great uh, starting point. And if you have these multiple avenues, you'll build that email list. And then once I've got them in the email list, like what are what are the successful strategies to nurture and stay in front? And, and imagine it's something similar. It's not just, you know, asking for their business over and over, but the emails need to deliver value to how, how do you deliver value successfully through the emails that you now send to your list as you build that list? Great question. So this is the value of building a great content engine, meaning these pieces that, you know, kind of, you know, help solve the pain points that some of your consumers may have at any given point. And not to be self-serving, I mean, you can go to propellant.media and it literally, you'll see like a great example of what we do, you know, for ourselves and for our own agency. It's fascinating how many agencies actually don't implement similar strategies for themselves, but I get it. It's all good, right? But one of the things that- There's a reason you've got an eight-figure empire and they maybe don't, so- yeah. Just so, so, you know, I, I, try, I try to be humble. I try to be humble, but I appreciate that. Leo. Um, and so one of the things that we've done, and just so you know, the tool of choice that we use for our email marketing, a lot of people have other platforms yeah. like Spring, MailChimp, you know, there's other cheaper yeah. platforms, ActiveCampaign. Yeah. Our tool of choice is actually um, HubSpot. That's probably the number one investment that we've made as uh, as an agency, not just for other brands that we implemented for, but really for ourselves. And I give you a great example. Someone will come to us, they'll say, hey, I'm interested in geofencing advertising, but they're not ready to book a demo, but they'd like the ebook that we have on 20 geofencing competitors that you should consider. We actually have an ebook that talks about all of our competitors and we don't trash anyone, but we just say, hey, here are all competitors and it's us. Because that that's going to naturally be a question that someone's going to ask. So you might as well list all of them and you just control that domain if you really know your stuff and you feel exactly. confident in your own stuff. So that's an ebook that a lot of people will download. They download the ebook, they come to our site, download the ebook, and then we have their email. We have a nurture, we have two different tracks for our nurture campaign. The first, uh, the first track is more of a sales approach that comes directly from myself or one of our uh, our digital strategists. That effectively, it's like five to seven emails. That's more on the sales side. Those five to seven emails, number one, gives people which 80 to 90% of the time, most of the people just want to know what your pricing is. We gate our pricing. We don't tell people what our pricing is. If you think about it. So if you gate your pricing, it gives you sort of a way to squeeze out someone's email so that you can then get get them into your email list, but then send pricing over so you can then eventually book a demo with them, right? So we have about five to seven emails that will hit those individuals until they reply back or they book a demo. 
And that point is when the, those emails stop. But on this other track, we have a list of like six months worth of emails. It's all value. It's a little promotional, but it's still a lot of value. All of the eBooks that we've built, our pricing guides, information on our calculators that we've done, webinars that we've done in various industries, how we work oh, with agencies, yeah. how we work with direct brands, all of the content. You think about the content that you might build, like all of that becomes this whole repository of information that you can chop up and leverage in your traditional three to six month drip feed campaign. And it doesn't have to be like, oh man, I don't have any content, so I can't do anything. You just you just build. You just do a little bit here. You do a little bit there. You keep building on top of it. And then over time, you'll be in a really good space. Um, uh, well, you'll be in a good space at that point. So I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. So, so basically you've got two tracks and I think this is a great example of something, you know, that the audience, uh, as they're building their email lists should have, you should have maybe two different tracks. And so track one is someone, Hey, someone raised their hand. They're very interested in working with you. They really want to get to the demo, the sales call, the free strategy session, whatever it is where you can present your solution to help them get the result and solve the problem or pain point that they've got that your business does. So yes. that's one track. And then track two is, hey, you know, I'm dipping the toe in my water. Maybe I'm a tire kicker, but I've got some interest in your content. And through time and value delivered, you can get them ready and, and warm up and build a bridge to where now they actually do want to raise their hand. Oh, now I actually would like to look at that. And maybe they're not ready now, but they'll be ready in six weeks. So they'll be ready in six months. And you've built that relationship. And so you kind of have two different tracks of email marketing campaigns to build that relationship. So a lot of value bombs there, guys. And then uh, more stuff that I, I actually am uh, taking notes here. He talked about the different you know, email campaign uh, tools that you can use out there. And he's found a lot of value uh, with HubSpot. So that's uh, something important there for you guys to understand. And then in terms of the longer term track value, he's sharing webinars, he's sharing case studies, he's actually giving them because we all know it's going to be there. Why should I do business with you is the question everybody asks, right? And if you get right to, hey, here's what our competition's doing. Here's what makes us different. Here's where we're going to deliver more value. You can already tackle that objection that you're going to get. And now they're even more likely to want to work with you because you answered that question. So the next thing, obviously, the, the keywords that you've used that I think a lot of business owners are not aware of is this idea and this topic of geofence marketing and data targeting. Um, can you define that for us? And then how does it work? How can you put it to work in your business? Yeah. So, so geofencing, and, and this is kind of what made us different because there's like, agencies a diamond dozen. There's like 50,000 plus agencies. So, yeah. you know, I couldn't just say that, oh, Propellant Media, we're going to be this incredible paid search or SEO agency. There's tons of agencies that do that. But geofencing was something that was new back in 2012. But, you know, I think we've just done a, a good job just marketing it sort of as, as a service. And so we have become more of a different, we differentiate and we lead with geofencing as an agency. A lot of people ask, well, what is exactly geofencing? Geofencing gives you the ability to serve ads to people in very, very precise areas. I mean, all the way down to the contours of the building, effectively. Wow. And so the, the, the concept behind it is that your location can give me some insights into your intent to buy, ultimately. 
And so great example, your car dealership, right? If you're Rick Hendrick of Chevrolet, let's say like you're my client, like let's say it's it's Leo's, you know, auto sales, right? Leo's auto sales, you come to me, you say, hey, Justin, I want to target other people that's in market looking to buy a car. You're already doing Facebook, you're doing Google ads, you're yeah. doing SEO, all that. You're doing TV, billboard, OTT advertising, all that. You still want to reach more people who are in market. Naturally, you would just geofence other competitor car dealers. Why? Because the people that are walking into those locations are going there because they're probably looking to buy a car or they're in market considering buying a car and they're shopping around. So typically what would happen is we build a virtual fence around 10, 15, 20 competitor dealerships. You know, those people with their mobile device, they walk inside that geofence location and then during that period of time, we're able to serve ads to you, both while you're inside the geofence and then for up to 30 days after you've left the geofence. So where the ads delivered, the ads are delivered on mobile apps and websites. So if you think about Angry Birds, Words with Friends, The Weather Channel, Wall Street Journal, Huffington Post, Daily Mail, you know, the sky's the limit. We have hundreds of thousands of apps and websites that we can deliver ads to. Um, delivery is rarely an issue, but that's really the crux of what geofencing marketing is. It can be utilized in many different applications, you know, for different industries. It's just all about knowing who your audience is, at what point are they in market, and then trying to find locations where they're really hitting on both your audience and them being in a market, ideally. Wow, that is fascinating. So by just kind of identifying when somebody's ready, they're seriously looking at buying something based off of where they're at, Location-wise, with their mobile device, you're able to get in there. And now as they're going through in their regular websites that they go through, whether it's news, sports, you know, whatever it is they're interested in, social media, now you're going to be popping up there because of where they're going. And then if they are there, now you can get a retargeting campaign that's going to follow them for 30 days and increase your odds of getting that client who's ready because that's where we're at, right? And you you already pointed this out, the email campaign, there's the track where the client's ready to go, they're ready to buy, and then there's they're not quite ready. We've got to warm them up over a few months till they're ready. But this is just kind of, you know, cherry picking, getting right there to the people who are ready and moving forward, you know, with that to, to get them to take action. So that's, that's incredible. So obviously, you know, we've got uh, different opportunities out there, whether it's a search engine, whether it's social, there's organic, there's paid. What are your your thoughts and, and what are you guys seeing right now? Or do you guys think businesses should be working on both organic with SEO or even search uh, with YouTube, whatever it might be, and paid? Um, what are you kind of seeing that mix should be? If, if you've got a budget of $10,000 a month, should you be splitting half of it up to SEO and half of it up to paid? Like, what are, what do you think are the optimal strategies? Obviously each business is different, but should, yeah. should business owners be paying attention to both or focusing more on paid? What do you, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think businesses should, I mean, if you have $10,000 a month, businesses should be operating on both for sure. Okay. Um, you know, I like paid search because it's sort of like immediate impact. You get the leads. Most cases you get the leads pretty immediate. Um, SEO is important, of course, because organically people that are going to your site, you know, they're visiting you, you know, that's, that's pet traffic that you don't have to pay for. So there's a ton of value, but on the paid search side, at least you can con control the keywords that you're going after. So that's incredibly valuable as well. 
Um, if 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 let's say just take a, a like a more direct hypothetical, if you were a B two B brand and you said, "Hey, Justin, general B two B brand, what would you recommend?" This is super general. I don't know whether you're medical sales um, or if you're a SaaS company um, and you're working, you know, with folks from a B two B standpoint. But say B two B, ten thousand. I'd probably put, you know, three to four thousand as a test budget towards Google Ads. Another, and quite honestly, SEO this day and age is like at least like like relatively good SEO is at least five to ten grand a month. Just FYI, but oh yeah, oh yeah. Just put that to aside for a second. I probably put another fifteen two thousand towards Facebook. Another you know fifteen hundred two thousand towards LinkedIn. A ton, you know, probably another thousand towards a more omni-channel site retargeting strategy. So anybody that goes to your website and they leave, you retarget them across the board. Probably a little bit more, maybe another five hundred bucks towards um, towards uh, YouTube advertising. And then that's that's that that would be my approach. I'd probably, I mean, you could probably have a little bit more towards programmatic display. So you think about some geofencing, maybe some over-the-top connected TV advertising. But you can see that. I'm trying to put more of the budget towards those lower funnel tactics where you know that there are people who are most likely to be in market or fit your audience. You're trying to be persuasive and letting them know that you have a solution that can really make a difference for them, mm-hmm. essentially. And uh, and I think that's sort of the way that I would go about it for, for a B2B brand. I mean, it might be different for a B2C, but I say all that to say all those channels matter. And you don't really know until you get in market. I can have a hypothesis and, and knowing that, okay, well, it's a good chance that, you know, you know, Facebook or, you know, Google ads is probably going to do better than other channels, but that's the way that I typically go about it. <clears throat> good stuff. And one of the other, you know, aspects you guys are expert in is kind of data targeting. What exactly does that mean? And, and how can you kind of harness data targeting uh, in your marketing campaigns? Yeah, great question. I mean, a lot of that is similar to the face, to the, to the geofencing that we talked about. So we're using sort of that level of data, location data. Um, but we've had clients, for example, who have done, like they'll do a direct mail campaign, for example. They'll give us their address, city, state, and zip to their file. And we'll do what's called an addressable household geofencing campaign that's layered on top of the geofencing. So we can build those custom polygons around using the tax and plat nine coordinates of those homes and then serve ads to the people inside of those homes as well. So again, you're utilizing first party data, using that data to reach those individuals during that period of time effectively. And that's, that's in essence what data targeting is, there's other aspects of data targeting, but leveraging first party data to reach their ideal audience. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, guys, Justin has dropped a number of value bombs, you know, on you to help you grow and build your business, you know, lead generation and marketing, doing it right is the difference between, you know, being in a lot of trouble during a potential recession in 2023 and continuing to grow and take market capitalization away from your competitors out there because you have a marketing strategy that works. You're delivering more value and you probably have an expert like Justin helping you do it because it's just impossible to be an expert at every topic when it comes to business. So Justin, what is the the one thing and, and basically how can someone learn more about what Propellant Media does and look at some of these programs and figure out which one 
or which strategy might be the best one so that they can make 2023 a breakthrough year versus what it may be for other businesses. Well, I, I certainly appreciate that, Leo. I think if, if anyone out there, if you just go to uh, www.propellant.media, tons of content, tons of stuff that's on the site, propellant.media is the website itself. But the last thing I'll just say for anyone that's out there, um, you know, you know, and I, I was in this space at one point where I was like, oh, I'm a small business owner, you know, I don't make a ton of money, da, da, da. you know, my mama always says scare money does not make money. Facts. Scare money don't make money. You got to get out there. You got to try. You got to test. You got to fail forward. That's the key. And as long as you're doing that, you're able to you know, create a sustainable business model, which I think is most of what most of the folks out there are constantly trying to figure out and trying to do. It's tough to do that when you're just sort of a one man band or if you're just trying to just do traditional networking. And and it's, it's just hard to scale that, you know, and I think that's the, the one key that I want to leave with everyone. Um that's important to consider from a, in terms of developing a business model that is sustainable for the future. Hey, Amen. Well said. And guys, for everybody listening, I think the other thing you want to keep in mind here, and I've seen this mistake among small business owners where, you know, they try something and, oh, it didn't work as exactly as expected. That's because you have like this initial trial and then you learn and you get results and then you can pivot and make decisions based on those results, but you can't give up. You need to go into this. Hey, this is a 90 to 120 day process not a, you know, two, three, four week event that's going to happen. And if you go into it with the, Hey, I'm in this for the long run and together, you know, we're going to figure out what is the right way to find my dream customer, dream client for my business by going through a process of learning that that's the other thing, whether it's marketing, whether it's finding the right salesperson, whether it's, you know, building out online sales funnels, email campaigns. It's not a one-time event. It's this process and you're continuously improving it over time and getting new iterations and marketing is exactly that in my experience. So guys, make sure you go to propellant.media, download the geofencing guide. I'm looking at it uh, right now. There's some great uh, videos. You can also schedule a free consult with the team. And the thing I like about what they're doing is they've got multiple solutions on the top social platforms and the search platforms. So you're really giving yourself the odds to succeed with someone who's an expert at doing it and has 17 years of experience. Well, Justin, thank you so much for being a guest on the show. Yeah, great time, my friend. I definitely appreciate it. Thanks, everyone. Are you looking for more seven-figure secrets, content, or even how you can launch your own recession-proof business? Then check out sevenfigures.com. That's the digit seven, F-I-G-U-R-E-S.com, where we share more videos, stories, strategies, funding solutions, entrepreneurial education, and even the secret business type that's recession-proof. Thank you for listening, and if you're finding value in our podcast, please give us a five-star and invite others to join the club.